All right, welcome back to the Barbell Medicine Podcast. This is episode number 16. We have a very, very special guest, Dr. Mike Isretel. Mike, what's going on, man? Thank you for having me. I'm uh, doing quite well. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. Great. Good, yeah. Dr. Baraki with the Gains Three Quarter Tea now available at barbellmedicine.com <laughs> store. Uh, Mike, um, I, I would imagine probably a lot of the people who are listening to this or watching this on the tubes um, actually know who you are already. But um, for those who are uninitiated, can you give us a little background, kind of uh, about your training? You know, as far as where you got all uh, your education from, and then what do you do on a day to day basis? Yeah, totally. I have a degree in uh, kinesiology from the University of Michigan. It's an undergraduate degree. I have a master's degree in exercise science with a specialty in strength conditioning from Appalachian State University. And I have a PhD in sport physiology, the science of taking good athletes and making them better from East Tennessee State University. I've been a professor for quite a while now, and some of the courses I've taught, actually a significant number of them, have been in the realm of nutrition and health. I've also authored several books on nutrition, uh, one of the most recent ones being uh, an exploration of the general principles of nutrition and health and examination of how nutrition affects longevity. Uh, in a variety of other factors. So, you know, I've got a little bit, a tiny bit of a pedigree and I'm also a competitive <laughs> athlete myself. So I tend to, I think, eat sort of healthy, but at least try and be aware of what's going on. Sure. Uh, and I assume that you publish your book via Instagram. It's just post by post is each, actually each page. It's not so much a book as it is. This is a coloring book, but it's already colored for you. Uh, it's, it's, it's just an Instagram link. It's just link in bio for discount. I thought that was a book. It's 2017. We're, we're seriously still writing books. We're supposed to be robots and lasers and stuff. <laughs> we're on the same page. Um, so, yeah, we actually have a very kind of uh, timely topic that we'll talk about. It, CrossFit, their main page or sorry, their main account on Instagram actually put a post up. It was a repost from CrossFit Enoch, uh, which we'll, I'll talk, I'll introduce as well, but, and uh, subsequently took it down. I don't know if you guys saw, they actually took it down Did off there. Yeah. So CrossFit HQ took it down Correct. Or, or CrossFit Enoch took it down? Yeah. Cross, so both, both. Yeah. So this well, post, I have a, uh... I yeah, have a screenshot, screenshot. Of, a screenshot of it up right now, just in case we need it for reference. Yeah, we'll put it. Uh, we'll definitely put it in the video that goes on yeah. uh, YouTube tomorrow. But so this is this was the caption. It was a, a nurse uh, sitting next to a, a man in bed who looked to be in poor health. The guy look, looked very old, um, and he said, "This man died with a Coca Cola next to his bed. This was days before he passed. His wife asked me to advocate for him." You see, what they don't tell you is that excess sugar is in our infant formula. It's in everything. They have us from birth to death, presumably they being the big soda or sugar manufacturers. Uh, I've seen more people die with Coca-Cola at their bedside uh, than a, ooh, sorry, what was that? Do you see that, Austin? Than a Bible. Than a Bible, right. Sorry. Yeah, my, so it's funny, my word processor actually corrected Bible to bile. So... <laughs> That's appropriate. That's more medical, I yeah, suppose. Right, right. Certainly more scientific. Ooh, someone's going to be triggered. Um, but yeah, so I've seen more people die with a Coca-Cola at their bedside than a Bible. Why is it in hospitals? Presumably, I mean, the soda, not the Bible. Uh, essentially, sugar has become God, King. 80% of what we are dying from is completely reversible. They just treat it. We can end it. And there was a bunch of um, hashtaggery going on after that. Uh, so, so just a brief background on this guy. CrossFit Enoch was founded by uh, this guy, Cooper. Last name's Cooper. He's got his CrossFit level one. He opened uh, this gym in Conroe, Texas. Um, and he says that they kill chronic disease, uh, presumably without the help of big soda. 
So today we'll talk about sugar sweetened beverages, which is effectively, you know, soda is certainly part of that. We'll talk about artificial sweeteners, uh, artificial sweet, artificially sweetened beverages, um, a couple other tangential topics uh, or not, you know, uh, would be orthorexia. And then definitely wanted to touch on like diet and disease because people will say stuff like, oh, if you just don't eat that and that's going to be healthy or eat this and you're going to be healthy or don't eat that because it's going to kill you. And I think, you know, to use one of my favorite words, it's a little more, it's a little, lot more nuanced than just eating this will kill you. Um, even if we're talking about uh, sugar sweetened beverage. So first I got to ask you, Mike, um, what did you think of the post in general? Yeah. So like, um, I like to call this category of post uh, slow descent into absurdity where it starts as a statement of what happened. And then it goes into a variety of conclusions that are sort of exponentially more absurd than the last, um, particularly with the reference to they own us. Again, I'm not so sure on what level of analysis that can be concluded uh, where consumer goods that you voluntarily purchase some kind of have ownership over you, man, Honda civic or Honda corporation must really own me because I have a civic and drive it all the time. I, I don't even know what that means. Um, and I think it's one of those things that if you try to describe uh, at length or think through, none of it makes any sense. So then you have to go back to what's really pertinent. I think it's two things, one of which I'm not qualified to speak on, at least professionally. One is the tastefulness of such a post, sure. right? Uh, which, you know, uh, so assuming that the consent was given by the primary caregiver, um, uh, I think that's, you know, questionable as to whether or not that's in good taste at that point. You know, if the, if the wife said the please, you know, then um, insofar as she's legally liable for her husband, <laughs> maybe that's... Uh, Tolerable? I don't want to give it too much slack. I'm right. not so sure. <clears throat> Certainly not a best foot forward, and I assume that's why it was taken down. Um, the next level of analysis that concerns me is what is the actual truth value of the claims being made? And I think that, uh, you know, I, I don't uh, think it's necessary for us to address the exact claims being made because some of them uh, border on the other side of absurdity. But I think there is some slack to be cut here in what is a reasonable analysis of sugar intake, a reasonable analysis of how junk food fits into a healthy overall diet, and a reasonable analysis of what the total magnitude of effect is of, for example, consuming soda versus a variety of other lifestyle factors on longevity and health. And I think if we start to zoom into what's actually going on, uh, a lot of the mysticism and the shock value disappears completely. And then we're left with just alter, sort of alternatives and choices and trade-offs, none of which are particularly shocking and most of which are very low magnitude. And I can, I can speak to that to some extent, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so Austin, yeah, why don't you chime in? What did you uh, think of the post uh, as well? Well, I mean, so the first thing I wondered, I don't know if you looked into this, is that guy in the that's pictured there, is he actually a, a nurse and is he the owner of that crossfit gym yes is that the connection there yeah okay so that was that was at least confirmed i didn't know i didn't know about the truth of that thing that's but a good question because like, who knows who that guy is right i, I was like he could be, <laughs> are those even scrubs he could just be wearing sure. <laughs> well crossfit yeah. made a youtube video about this guy that just got released oh I see. so okay yeah yeah he, i mean but other than that looking at the picture i mean it's just to me a very familiar scene thing a thing that i've seen a lot of, you know, many number of times uh, working in the hospital, looks like a typical patient towards the end of life, looes to be at least 70, probably 80 plus years old. Uh, doesn't Somebody, comment. sorry, sorry to cut you off. Somebody said he was 68. Yeah, they were, um, right. Uh, is that is that confirmed or is that simply more conjecture? So I tried doing some research. Yeah, not confirmed, um, hard to say. And then also certainly could potentially be patient identifying information, which I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable. Jeez, <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is a HIPAA disaster. I don't yes, even know how that, I, right. I, I'm not sure, you know, I, 
Um, my my uh, fiance is uh, a medical doctor, and the the amount of training all of you folks go through at the hospital setting to make sure HIPAA is not violated is, is absurd and probably over the top. But I have no idea how this guy uh, ever thought it was a good idea to post a selfie with a with a dead patient. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> right? Where yeah. are the lawyers? If I was a HIPAA lawyer, and I was walking by that. I would tackle the guy and be like, "Are you out of your mind?" Right. Yeah, it's just, sorry. It's just because of how much of that training and kind of I mean, just constant push on that Plodgening. mindset we get. Yes. I was just immediately cringing when I saw this picture. And then reading the caption, it was just further and further and further cringing. Of course, there's no context given in the picture as to what the actual cause of death was. You know, the, the implication of the post is that we're actively, we're actively killing people with sugar. It's like we put him into hyperglycemic state and he, you know, went to a diabetic coma and died that way. But that's most likely not what happened here. And, uh, and you know, hard to say, Do we, we don't know again how old he is, but let's say he was in his 70s or something like that. That's about the average life expectancy around that we have nowadays, which is as high as it's ever been in history. So what's his what's his point then? You know, right? Yes, the average life expectancy for males seventy two so, or something like that. So yeah, just yeah. Well, this was the first past year that it went down. So seventy four, and then females a little bit older. Total average age seventy eight point eight, according to latest CDC data. In, in any event, it's unlikely. It, well, even if the etiology was frank, like you know, hyperglycemic complications secondary to Coca-Cola. I think, well, I I think, you know, what what Mike and and you also, you guys bring up a good point is that, is this the best way to get that, the sort of, you know, that risk or that potential risk factor across to the public, especially with a large platform like CrossFit. And this is in addition to potential HIPAA patient, you know, uh, identification uh, issues. And yeah, I mean, just a risk nightmare, to be honest. Although on the, on the internet, it was very interesting how many people are now law professionals just in the the comment section, like, Oh, it's totally fine. If his wife says it's okay. It's like, ah, that's not necessarily. They always were law professionals. You just, you just didn't know it. You're probably the only guy without a law degree. It turns out, it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. I got the medical degree, which everyone already had as well. And now I just need to go back. (laughs) Just catching up. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So let's, uh, let's evaluate some of these claims here. You know, the average, the actual intake uh, of sugar sweetened beverages. So this is going to include sugar, uh, sorry, like uh, sugar sweetened soda, fruit drinks, energy drinks, all that stuff. Uh, so it makes up about 9% of our calories uh, now. Uh, in 1970, it was 3.9%. Now it's 9% of our total daily calories. That's This is based on 2007 data. That's the latest I could actually find for caloric value. Um, Mike, what's your take on that as far as like an independent risk factor for uh, for disease, if, if you have any sort of opinion on that? Yeah, you bet. Um, so... It has to. There have to be some pretty powerful covariates that usually co-vary, but not always. And that's where the conditional statements start to pop up. Sure. So, uh, artificially sweet, or sorry, artificially added sugar beverages have a, a relatively low proclivity to satiate you, so they don't really squash your hunger very well. Right. And um, they are packed relatively calorie dense, mm-hmm. and they're either you know easy to take in. And insofar as as that is the the case, the, the, the another concern, which isn't as true for fruit juices, but is very much true for sodas, is that they also don't come with uh, micronutrients, et cetera, fiber, blah blah blah. Sure. But that point isn't really as important because micronutrient deficiency is not a huge problem in the United States as far as, far as you know, actually really nasty micronutrient deficiency that causes longevity decreases. So that's kind of an aside. So then we're left with basically the fact that uh, sugar sweetened beverages are a, a pretty decent way to add in calories but not get an anti-hunger effect. So 
but uh, you know they don't magically do anything that bad outside of their proclivity to enhance weight gain right. and as you gain weight if you go outside of a healthy weight range which is quite a broad figure at all the heights as you start to get increasingly outside the weight range, it becomes an incrementally high health problem. Insofar as you consume sodas uh, or artificial or uh, sort of sweetened beverages, and you do it uh, to some extent, to any extent that allows you to get in all of your other micronutrients from all your normal foods, which is really not a big problem, is probably fine, and also is not causing pretty significant long-term weight gain, the health negative of that kind of consumption is almost unmeasurable because it's so tiny. Right. Um, now, in an ideal world, how many sugar-sweetened beverages would you have? Probably close to zero. But but this is the, the one of these things where you, you have a glass of wine uh, every other night and someone comes up to you and goes, you do realize that is poison and you are going to die. They clean jet engines with the stuff and you're like, yes, but... It's a hepatotoxin. It. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it's all true. But yeah. in moderation and within sure. the confines of you not accreting liver damage or over the long term, sure. and in this case of you not gaining fat over the long term from a net hypercaloric diet, it's totally cool. So basically, it's one of the situations where if you see a person who is on their way to developing obesity and or is already obese, and they're drinking sort of an obnoxious amount of sugar-sweetened beverages, uh, you know, you could say, now listen, there are a variety of ways to improve your diet, one small way maybe to reduce that intake. But if an individual, it, by the way, the guy in the photo looked relatively lean and small to me, right. um, again, conjecture that is just as invalid as any conjecture conjecture that nurse made. So, um, you know, insofar as you are of a normal body weight and you're not a diabetic in the most egregious way, um, your insulin dynamics are relatively normal, which most people's are, uh, unless they're obese, uh, then it's really kind of like, you know, if you really just get all the medical and nutrition experts in the world and you're like, this can of Coke, how really, how bad is it for me? They're going to be like, it's a can of Coke, what are you talking about? So it's one of those things like, unless a variety of secondary effects occur, uh, it's really not that bad, and the, the the you know, like you said, it's maybe let's say a ten percent intake in our diet. That's just not really that big of a deal at all. Yeah, and in many other. cases, it's not a deal at all. Right. So, it, 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 you know, it, it, like the glass of wine. If you drink one or two glasses of wine a night, it, it, it's it's irrelevant to your health. At worst, and at best, it's slightly enhancing. If you drink eight glasses of wine a night, you're going to die in five years. So yeah. that is completely lost. Um, and, and of course, you guys are doctors. I don't need to tell you this, but you know, in toxicology, there's always a dose-response relationship. Mm -hmm. Water is deadly if you drink too much. Of I mean, you could you could post up a, you could do just as egregious of a job and say, look, the hurricanes, water, water's bad for you. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> if it's in a flood, but if you have a couple of glasses of water a day, it's health enhancing. So it's one of those situations where you know the the, the desire is to portray things as good versus evil. It's a, it turns into a moral decision versus a logical and nutritional one. So Coca Cola is bad. Well, it's not bad. It's one of the many choices you can make. And so insofar as the rest of your life is balanced, you stay physically active and you eat most of your other food comes from healthy sources. You. Can and drink as much coke as you want you're good to go well yeah. it's it, the, the people on the other side of this discussion are people who a don't res, don't understand any of those dose response relationships that we're talking about sure. and they're the people who are sharing those like infographics talking about what happens in your body in the first 30 minutes after consuming the coke those are right? sweet you know what i mean yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah i'm worried what's happening 30 years later you know but uh yeah, so I did find some epidemiologic, uh, epidemiological data actually on people who do consume uh, at least two sugar-sweetened beverages per day versus none. And on average, they have about a 200 kilocalorie uh, uh, higher 
intake. So they take in about 200 more calories with a capital C uh, per day than those who, who don't, which basically supports exactly what you were discussing, Mike, as far as you know, if you're taking that, you know, nutrient dense sort of, but non satiating uh, soda in, and that causes you to gain weight because of the uh, hypercaloric situation it puts you in, then perhaps that would increase your risk for other things. However, there are multiple caveats along the way, multiple different nuances. Uh, an- another one thing I wanted Austin to comment on that you, you touched upon, the guy looked fairly lean, fairly under developed or perhaps sarcopenic even at his at his age um even if he is 68 uh uh, austin would you comment on the risk of being underweight as a older an older person yeah i mean me and you have shared some data back and forth on this before when we talk about uh you know a lot of times people ask us they send us their labs and they're say they're taking creatine and they're all worried about their serum creatinine levels and they're well trained and muscled and so on average they have normal renal function but they might tend towards having creatinine of 1.2 1.3 maybe even a little higher than that Uh, and then we look at the other end of the spectrum you know when i see patients in the hospital all the time with creatinines of 0.3 or something like that basically reflective of uh you know their their estimated renal function ends up being really poor but that's without accounting for the fact that their skin and bones and have no muscle mass and mortality goes way up at the other end of that curve as things go down so presumably you know he was at risk. He was at risk of death, whatever the actual cause of death was in this situation. It could be literally anything, and we don't know what it is. But, uh, you know, he, he as a likely sarcopenic uh, individual, he had a higher risk of death just from, you know, just from that alone. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we know there was a new uh, study that came out in uh, Hospital Medicine, the journal, which, you know, Call that, call it what you will. Probably, I mean, we're all big shills because we're effectively defending Coke here. So, just as an aside, you know, I, I know we're all getting yeah. money for this. Thanks, <laughs> yes. Coke. Uh, you guys are helping me out. I didn't get my Coke money. What the hell? <laughs> oh yeah, no, they sent it to me. It's in the mail, Mike. It's in the mail. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> my mail. You're right. Um, that if your creatinine was 0.4 or lower when you went into the hospital, you have a higher risk of all cause mortality just because it's supposed to have this sarcopenic association, which would make sense. So, you know, perhaps if this guy, um, you know, needed to, again, we're literally judging a book by its cover here (laughs) based on one picture. Um, But if he needed to get more calories in to sustain his body weight and Coke was the way he wanted to do it, I mean, you'd have a hard time making an argument that that's a bad situation versus losing more weight. So, and that's just, again, from a purely medical standpoint, not religious, not histrionic. Uh, and unfortunately that you don't, that doesn't get you the likes on the Instagrams. So, um, yeah. Also, and I think like, just really quick, if you don't mind, sure. um, you know, there's a lot that everyone agrees on that's good for health. I mean, this guy presumably owns a CrossFit gym. He thinks resistance training in an organized way is good for health. We agree. He thinks of fundamentally eating a diet of uh, lean meats, uh, you know, uh, healthy fats, fruits and veggies and whole grains to some extent is also the kind of the core of health. And that's completely true. So we're not here to say that if you drink Coca-Cola, you're going to be immortal or something like that, or just no effect on your health. It's just that the effect on your health is very conditional. Other things have to also occur for it to be bad for your health. You have to take in a lot of it and probably a lot of other stuff. Right. And also that, you know, if you are uh, moderating your intake uh, a little bit here and there, it's just totally cool. And it's a part of life. I mean, you could have put a, you, you could have had a video game system sitting there and been like, or a television, you know, TV, a, a sedentary lifestyle kills way more people than, than yeah. sugar intake. So yeah. we could have been like, this guy died staring at a TV. Well, no shit. There's a TV installed in his room. <laughs> right. Also, he's immobile. <laughs> so Hospital beds kill people. 
That's totally. <laughs> and it's not, it's not, I don't think we're here to say that, you know, uh, the pursuit of, uh, fun, of functional training and the pursuit of good nutrition fundamentally is a bad thing. It's a great thing, but minus the hysteria, there's no, needs to be no hysteria. So, you know, if you're a CrossFit coach or somebody comes up to you and says, so what's the deal with Coca-Cola? Is it really going to kill me? You say like, look, should you have Coca-Cola with all your meals? Probably not. Should you have Coca-Cola every waking day? Probably not. But if you have a can of Coke here and there, you're taking a flight somewhere and you have a can of Coca-Cola, is it okay? Yeah, totally. As long as you're physically active and you're in a healthy weight range and you're eating most of your diet as a healthy diet, you can have chips and Coke and ice cream and burgers every now and again, and it's not going to kill you. It's not going to make any measurable difference in your health. Right. And I, and I think the cohort of people that that post went out to that we're talking to are certainly are very active. Um, they're usually monitoring their weight on some level, either with daily weights or they're tracking their macros or both or that you have a coach. And, you know, in that context, I don't think I can make a strong argument against sugar sweetened beverages. Um, you know, maybe as a gen pop sort of general recommendation, if you could. All right. In five words, give us your thoughts. That's going to go out to the mass, you know, the nation on 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 soda. So, uh, probably don't drink it as much as you're drinking water, um, you know. But yeah, that's, totally, that's what I could say. Uh, okay, particularly we, for particularly for the like the obese, insulin resistant patients, diabetics that I'm seeing in person in clinic. That's actually ends up being my first target with these people when I'm talking about their diet. The instant they sure. tell me, I just had a guy earlier this morning. His blood sugar sitting in front of me in clinic was 385. His blood pressure. Had, blood sugar oh i was he like said, <laughs> he said he had he said he had a giant sweet tea this morning i'm like come on man we need to work on this right, right. so you know it, it's what we're talking about the in terms of the context here is you know for for the, the the people who are seeing that post on the crossfit instagram it applies to them much less than sure you know much less than these patients but when they generalize it and make this kind of hysterical comment that it's actively killing all of you it's just, that's a very good point actually <laughs> yeah but it actually brings us to this uh, nice a nice segue into this next uh, question the, the claim was made during in the post that uh, 80 it's 80% of what we we're dying from presumably talking about sugar all right so uh, just as an aside for some da- quick data nearly 75% of all deaths are attributed in the United States are attributed to just 10 different causes top 3 according to the CDC uh, heart disease cancer and chronic lower respiratory tract infections um you, you know, mean sugar, sugar, sugar? I think you read that. That's yeah. That's actually how it reads. So, so you know, just uh, we could, con- you know, on how sugar uh, contributes to heart disease, and I think you you covered that pretty eloquently. Yeah, well, it, in the context of a weight neutral sort of diet and being active, then yeah, when you look at the data on added sugar compared to just other carbohydrates in an isoenergetic standpoint, so calories being equal, there's no difference. None. And you can't even make one up. Like you just go look at like look at the data, people. You know, PubMed, PubMed is your friend. And then when you look at sugar and cancer, again, it's similar sort of deal. And people will say, Well, you can cure sugar, you can cure cancer if you just go keto. Uh, <laughs> I honestly don't have any time for that kind of bullshit. That, that <laughs> stuff actually just pisses me off because there's just people dying. If go to a cancer yeah. ward and look those people in the face that are getting irradiated all the time, that are on 50 different chemo drugs, that are the drugs actually killing you and hopefully the cancer dies before you do. Right. Tell them they can just drop their carbs out. And, and, and all this bullshit, like secret cancer cure, they don't want you to know who brings me damn near to violence. How dare you? Yeah. You know what well, I mean? Yeah. Especially, especially when we hear it because I'm like, look, so you're accusing me of having learned this cure secretly in med school and i'm choosing to actively withhold it from these people that are dying in front of me right now and just like cackling in the background or something right well i'm giving them coke presumably but not that but not the cool kind 
And, and right. you know, we can, sit, yeah. I mean, we can sit here and joke about it, but then when you start thinking about who are all these people going, you know, keto and then huge advocates for a ketogenic diet, uh, and they're, they're attributing the reason why they're promoting keto to health benefits. Right. And, and that, that to me is almost cringeworthy because you're in this position of power or authority where you're effectively doling out this information with no thought to, Hey, this might actually hurt someone, you know, or, or be inappropriate. But they have no caution to that. It's just keto, war on carbs, hashtag. That's like well, that's what, we, that's what we were recently talking about, Mike. I had a guy who who was consulting me for you know he wanted a medical consult, review his labs, things like that. He had actually recently finished a period of time where he was working with a with a health coach who basically put him on full keto. He sent me his labs. His LDL particles were over three and a half times what the what the goal would be for such a thing and it was just ldl's the good one right (laughs) right yeah exactly and he was just like yeah i'm not really buying that it's bad for you i know doctors say it's like the bad stuff but you know i'm just like jesus christ you get a really nasty bait and switch with those individuals every now and again what they'll do is they'll say look the a lot of a keto diet stuff or it doesn't even matter what diet you know this diet actually improves your cholesterol and they'll cherry pick the studies that say that and then you go well yeah but mostly it degrades cholesterol profiles and they go but cholesterol doesn't even matter because it's not tied to anything but why just, did you say it improves cholesterol then it, yeah. it's just totally like point number one win argument point number two nothing just win at all costs it doesn't matter if you contradict yourself it's just like we're right whatever we have to say that we're right we're right yeah. yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, there's usually some money involved in there. That's uh, yeah, unfortunate. But I think we can all agree that this, you know, eighty uh, percent of what we are dying from being added sugar is grossly inflated. I mean, ultimately not based in evidence. And then again, it's just more histrionics. It's like to, to and I don't understand because they're they're the reason why CrossFit is promote. It appears that they're promoting this person. Oh, this is a learned individual. It's a nurse who's advocating for his patients. Look what they're doing. For, look what he's doing for chronic disease. Yet then he throws out some ridiculous statements. Yeah. And, and so like. Yeah. Sorry, real quick. So if if he if we cut him as much slack as possible, we see that he's really saying the statistical claim is that eighty percent of all deaths are preventable uh, for all preventing prevention mechanisms. So sure. full lifestyle intervention. Sure. Um, the reality matter is that if you take a look at a cohort of individuals that lives on the sort of bottom quartile of everything you could do to try to die early, and you compare it to the top quartile of everything you could do to try to live as long as possible, the reality of the matter is what we're talking about is individuals that die on average in their 60s to on average in their 80s. Um, this idea that if you just go completely clean up everything and do everything you can to be at the pinnacle of health, that you're somehow going to live into your hundreds or just never get sick is is just wildly inaccurate. Right. And, and the distributions, by the way, are so overlapping that you'll have tons of stories of, well, grandpa ate bacon, smoked bacon wrapped cigarettes his whole <laughs> life and yeah. lived till he was 100. And then some, yeah. you know, somebody who's following a completely vegan, all natural raw foods diet died at 55 of just a weird heart attack because their genetics were just unfortunate. Yeah. So when people say things like, well, you know, 80% of causes of death are preventable, the next question epidemiologists would ask is like, well, preventable for how long? Because everybody dies. Yeah. And then the next question becomes one of trade-offs. So to what extent do you want to live life and have fun doing ridiculous shit that's not good for your health versus how long do you want to live? Because if you, these people will tell you that if you purify your existence at a very cult-like mentality, sure. that you're going to live like forever, never get sick. And mm-hmm. that's total BS. It's a small but significant enhancement. And I mean, if you do 
do everything just like a robot. Is that worth it? I'm not so sure. So when people try to tell you, like, look, you have one can of Coke and you're just going to categorically die at age 30. And if you don't ever have a can of Coke or do everything right, you're just literally going to be immortal. You're probably ascend to godhood sooner or later. And when you're about 150, you'll be, you know, so these are some of the same people that share this, like, Recently, there was like this article going around that this monk in China was like supposedly 225 years old. And this shit just like, it pains the imagination to think about. So it's one of these things where people say, well, you know, 80% of all causes of, you know, of all deaths are preventable. It's like, that's a, like you said, nuance. There's a lot of nuance to examining that statement. And when you go through all the nuance, the reality is none of the stuff is t- super crazy bad for you. It's all a matter of kind of just linear trade-offs. Like how mm-hmm. much do you want of longevity with a very rigorous lifestyle versus not as much longevity, but still live a long time and have just a whole lot of fun. Yeah. So, and, and that's one of those things Like you know, when you guys talk to patients, you probably present their lifestyles as a series of choices. If you say, look, I understand you like cheeseburgers, but maybe if you ate just a few less of them, you could see your grandkids for a couple more years. It's not like, look, this cheeseburger's next one is just straight up going to kill you. But if you quit them completely, you can father, you know, 10 generations of grandkids for 150 <laughs> more years that you live. Right. Yeah, I think, what you're, I, th- I think what you're describing is basically, and this is something I actually do try to do, is explaining, you know, what are you, what are you trying to prevent uh, at what cost and for what ultimate benefit, right? And if that trade-off is worth it to that person, then they'll be more likely, you'll be more likely to get them down that path of the lifestyle change towards improving that factor. But if it's not ultimately not worth it to them, you know, I have Tons of patients, oftentimes they're veterans who have been smoking for like their literally their entire lives because they were given cigarettes when they were in the military and they're still smoking. They're like, no, it's not important enough to me to not smoke. So I'm going to keep doing it because I enjoy it. And those are oftentimes, as you said, people who are like in they're like 85 years old. And it's like, well, you know, they should have died 40 years ago, according to these people that we're talking. Totally. But their genetics are such that they're able to tolerate it for a long time. And modern medicine, throw in a stent or two here and there. And they're still they're still kicking and enjoying life. You know what I mean? So. If the cost and benefit are worth it to the person, that's going to facilitate that kind of lifestyle change more so than demonization of everything at, you know, at ever, at, you know, at, at this cost for such little actual benefit. 100%. Yeah, it is interesting, uh, particularly in our culture, that, you know, the over overwhelming sort of uh, uh, group think is that, well, if you just try hard enough or if you do it clean enough or if you, you know, keep work, you're just everything's going to get better, you know, or, or you're going to do better than those who don't. And unfortunately, life, it's just not fair. I mean, athletics yep. isn't fair. Life's not fair. Mortality and morbidity rates, they're not fair. Your genetics, it's not fair. And, uh, you know, sometimes if you work really, really hard and do everything right, you're still going to have problems, you know. Well, so that's, well, that's where Mike mentioned that this becomes a moral thing, because sure. then the implication is that to the extent that you don't succeed in, you know, improving your outcomes, it's your fault. It's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting when researching uh, some stuff like diets uh, and like kind of the historical origins of d- different type of eating habits. Um, you, you almost can't find a religion that's still practiced today in some form that doesn't have a particular diet associated with the or- sure. particularly the orthodox uh, 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 practitioners. So I always think like Jainism. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar. It, it's effectively like hyper, like raw vegan, you know, without any sort of additives. I mean, it's like super. Yeah, look, I'm sorry to all my the Janeists who watch this. You like live on plant cellulose or something? Yeah, you're going to die. <laughs> well, we're all going to die. We have 100% mortality. That's, that's what's going to happen. Um, and I, ju- I would like to actually read this. Uh, so this, uh, this 
this little clip comes from Nutrients 2016. It's effectively an expansion on uh, uh, the symposium held at the Experimental Biology 2015 conference. This was entitled Sweeteners and Health, Current Understandings, Controversies, Recent Research Findings, and Directions for Future Research. So uh, there were over a thousand different high quality randomized controlled trials that they Jeez. yeah that they reviewed um including uh, uh cohort studies that singled that singling out added sugars as unique culprits for metabolically based diseases such as obesity diabetes and cardiovascular disease appears inconsistent with modern high quality evidence and is unlikely to yield health benefits while it is prudent to consume added sugars in moderation the reduction of these components of the diet without other reductions of caloric sources seems unlikely to achieve any meaningful benefit and uh i did check to see if like coca-cola sponsored the symposium or whatever since that's what people would say there was no uh, <laughs> sort of uh uh, didn't appear to be funded. Yeah, conflict of interest. So I just thought that was interesting kind of aside. Um, That's what the state of the evidence is. And the thing is, it's been the state of the evidence for a really long time. And the more studies that come out, you know, every now and again, you'll get, let's say, one in 10 studies sensationalistically in the opposite direction, just as you would expect with statistics. These study gets shared a trillion times. Sea sugar is killing us. Nine studies that come out afterwards, on average, tend to confirm what's understood is that in moderation, it's fine. And not many people share that except for our evidence-based circle of the world. And then uh, kind of the cycle repeats itself. So, yeah, there's there's not much controversy here uh, as far as the research is concerned but there's you know when you're busy doing all you know pseudo religious pronouncements on good and evil yeah the nuances of the evidence might might not be in your favor you know i knew i was gonna like mike because he's gonna say nuanced a lot i just thought (laughs) there we go um okay so all right let's say mike you're in charge you're the new you know surgeon general and uh, from a, a public health standpoint if you could get people to do a handful of things related to their diet and or lifestyle, so you get five things total, it could be less, but five is the max. What would you have them do? And this is for optimal health. Yeah. So diet and lifestyle. Sure. Yeah. I guess, you know, um, my recommendation would be to get plenty of physical activity, some of it being um, pretty vigorous and preferably resistance training based at least twice a week. And then throughout the rest of the week, do as much physical activity as fits your lifestyle and preferences. The second consideration would be to make sure that you're controlling your portions so that you're not eating in excess. Eat to hunger, not you know more. Don't eat too much to entertain yourself uh, too often, although every now and again I think that's fine. Eat a diet primarily centered around lean protein sources like lean meats, for example, or lean vegan options. Whole gra- uh, Veggies, fruits, whole grains in that order uh, because they tend to be most satiating and nutritive. And healthy fat sources, predominantly sources of high monounsaturated fat intake like olive oil, canola oil, nuts, nut butters, avocado, etc., and if that's the core of your diet, maybe 75, 80% of that, the other 20% can be whatever kind of junk food you feel like. Uh, make sure to continue with physical activity, continue having the fundamentals of good eating. If you ever go away from the fundamentals of good eating, it's all it's always welcome to come back. And there's never like, well, I screwed up, so who cares? I'm just going to eat pizza forever because I gained five pounds. And watch your body weight and consult with your medical practitioner to make sure that your body weight stays within the general healthy weight range for your weight. And of course, we publish those figures, but it's actually a really big range. And insofar as you're physically active, eating mostly healthy, and your body weight stays within a healthy range uh, for your height, then you have now done probably 
approaching 80 to 90% of everything you could ever do to enhance your longevity and quality of life from a general perspective. And then everything else after that is, is case-specific, individual-specific, attending to individual's genetics. And I think a lot of the problems people have, just like you guys mentioned earlier, they take recommendations made for already fully, fully insulin-resistant type 2 diabetics and just apply them to normal people mm-hmm. and say, well, you know, my diabetic friend can't have Coca-Cola. Uh, that's yes. Yes, Do you have diabetes? No. (laughs) Right. You know, my friend with a broken leg can't do squats, but that doesn't mean (laughs) squats are bad for everybody. So, uh, so it's one of those things where those general recommendations, kind of those three things, you know, stay active, eat predominantly healthy foods and, and, and just, just keep an eye on your weight to make sure you're in a normal, healthy weight range. Uh, man, you know, that's a, everything after that is is my specific minutia that matters, matters, but very little. Sure. I like that. Uh, Austin, if you got, if you got up to five things, what would it be? I feel like I think we've probably been asked this on one of our previous Q&A podcasts. If I remember correctly, the, the, the ones that we mentioned included basically the they are very similar exercise recommendation, very similar diet recommendation. Don't smoke or drink to excess. Maintain good sleep habits. Foster good social relationships and social support systems. Those would be the top five. Yeah. Yeah. Austin. Yeah. You echoed what I was going to add would be the, the smoking. I think, Mike, if we if we said, yeah, so I can smoke. No. Um, yeah. So the smoking, <laughs> sure. the smoking and drinking. Most and, of the people I consult no, don't smoke. But yes, that's right. absolutely correct. Smoking <laughs> and drinking and then the, uh, the social circle, having good interpersonal relationships with others um, and sleep. Yeah. And yeah, and sleep, but you know, yeah. So that's good. All right. Well, we all agree. Good. Our, our own little echo chamber here. We're we're feeling pretty good. All right. So one more question, and then uh, we can we can close this off. Uh, so this post to me reeked of this sort of orthorexic type uh, situation. Orthorexia being that you feel like you're eating a a very healthy diet, the optimal diet. Anyone who doesn't do that, um, you know, is wrong. It's almost like a religious association with food, you know? Um, Mike, how often do you see this orthorexia like that, you know, when you're working with people? Um, and then, you know, what's your sort of, where do you say, Hey, you have an unhealthy relationship with food due to orthorexia. Uh, and what do you do about it? Yeah, often. So I got a little t-shirt on here, RP. So it's Renaissance periodization. It's a company I help co-found and consult. And we've helped like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people at this point with their diets. And we have a, a client's group on Facebook where it's uh, over 50,000 individuals that have bought products from us and they ask uh, each other questions. And it's kind of a community about dieting and training. And uh, in the, uh, you know, materials that we send them when we give them their diets, uh, especially if it's a templatized or computer-generated diet, um, some of the options for the intra-workout beverage, should they choose to take it, are like Gatorade, Kool-Aid, you know, glycemic carbohydrates that have a variety of benefits within the workout. And and we, we get an unbelievably sort of uh, a sort of egregious number of, of questions and comments and concerns about, so hold on. I thought this stuff was good for my health. You guys are saying I, I should drink Gatorade, simple sugars during the workout. And we're like, yes. <laughs> and then in the frequently asked questions, it's like, how much artificial sweetener can I have? And is it okay? Yes, it's okay. You can have pretty much as much as you want. You would be the first person to ever die of it or have any kind of health consequences ever. So 
this kind of stuff. I mean, they see the lean meats, the whole grains, et cetera. And they're like, this is great. This is awesome. And then they see that sugar uh, and then they see the artificial sweeteners and they kind of go, oh my God, what the hell is going on? You know, uh, and, and people will say things like, well, I don't want that stuff in my body and you can do whatever you want, but it's not going in my body. And it's like, <laughs> you know, what's the best counter that? I'm not so sure. But the only thing we say is because, you know, we treat our customers with a significant amount of respect for their own personal decisions. We just say, hey, listen, you know, we totally see where you're coming from and that's totally cool give this evidence a look because it turns out that that stuff's really actually just not bad for you uh, and especially if timed appropriately with the sugars it's actually enhancing to your performance and appearance so um, maybe you can give this some thought and get back to us uh, and we don't like jump down people's throats and be like you're an idiot you're anti-scientific you know learn to read um, yeah. you know which are all technically good standalone points but yeah. uh, it's one of those things mm. where it's really tough um, to deal with that and, and not alienate people, right? So you kind of have to bring them into the fold be like, hey, look, there's all kinds of great stuff science has. We understand where you're coming from. And there are things that you can take in that are bad for you. That's true. These just aren't the things. So it's cool to have them. And if you want to look at the research, here it is. And can, mm-hmm. If you still want to stick to a healthy diet, but you don't want to drink any sugars or do any artificial sweeteners, uh, you can totally do that. And we're cool with that, too. You're just um, inconveniencing yourself greatly for no reason. As far as how to actually... Uh, diagnose and treat orthorexia you know i'm not a psychological professional unfortunately that's not within my wheelhouse um uh, if it's bad enough it requires severe therapy um and probably drugs as well yeah yeah i mean i actually won't work with people who have eating disorders that are untreated um because we don't work with them yeah yeah, it's a big thing Uh, also i would like to point out to the internets that rp and barbell medicine i guess effectively are competitors or some level but we like to do this bipartisan thing where you know felt for the greater good we should come together and uh, <laughs> no but i think we have similar approaches it's like hey here's the data you know um calling calling people names um and telling them they're stupid like uh, what had happened in the comment section of that actual post uh ten, tends to not be useful also insulting people's intelligence with uh, just factually incorrect data or, or statements uh, just makes people mad. So yeah, I think oh, we, have, we have a similar approach. Um, I actually haven't seen any orthorexics. I never saw them in clinic, but I, I you know, I think you self-select for people who have um, maybe issues with food when you start doing consultations with folks on nutrition, you know, it's like, Oh, you're just opening yourself up to, to, Oh, Hey, you've had eating issues before you have a psychological, you know, hang up on, you know, sugar, for instance, for some reason, um, you know, and then you're self-selecting for, for, for those folks when you, when you open a nutrition business. So, yeah, yeah. We all have those tendencies. I think we all have tendencies and humans are literally genetically engineered by evolution to have food aversions to have an (laughs) evolution. Okay. It's only a theory. (laughs) So only an interconnected framework of well-supported facts. (laughs) But uh, that is a theory. So in any case, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, humans have a natural proclivity to consider certain things bad for them and to not just eat everything. And and we actually see this genetic mechanism be uh, tilted during pregnancy, for example, where the food aversion, in general food aversion, just escalates during pregnancy, right? And you go, holy crap, there's all kinds of stuff bad for me. And the amount of foods that are okay, you know, the ones that your body doesn't suspect have teratogens and then just goes to this and you're eating like, you know, only egg noodles 
noodles for three weeks or something like that. Yeah. But the thing is, is that insofar as most of us do not have developing fetuses inside of us, I would hope, although Junior starring Arnold Schwarzenegger was a very medically sort of renowned film. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things that, you know, um, you have to come to people and you say, listen, I, I see where you're coming from. There's definitely stuff that's bad for us, but here's the stuff science has studied into the ground. It's not bad for us, especially if you use it like this. And if you still don't want to have it, it's cool, but uh, come give it a shot. It'll be better over here. We have more stuff, right? The, the, the <laughs> we, have cool stuff. <laughs> we have cool stuff. We have all the tasty foods. That's, you know, the scientific-minded nutrition approach just has all the cool bells and whistles, and it's uh, tons of flexibility and diversity in diet. And, and if you want to restrict yourself, that's totally cool. But but then again, you know, and like you said, if you have patients that have very, very serious orthorexic tendencies, you can start to sort of lean them in the direction of considering therapy. Be like, hey, listen, yeah, I understand where you're coming from, but, you know, your particular version seems to be rather extreme um, and I'll tell you that it's not characteristic of most people. Have you ever thought about seeing somebody about this and talking to them? Because I think you're reducing your quality of life. And they'll go, you know, it really just drives me nuts. And yeah, maybe I should talk to someone. Or they'll be like, no, I'm right and you're wrong. And 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 the, yeah, the no matter how much people yell back at you, no matter how much the recalcitrant, I think the best foot forward is just to be open and kind and welcoming to our scientific slash medical slash nutritional community and be like, hey, come try it out. It's good stuff. And if they argue against it, you say, hey, those are really good points. Let's talk about them. And you talk about them. You present your best evidence. And if they're not convinced by it, well, gee, you know, you tried your best. There's never a time where you should be like, well, you guys are all and then we're enemies and, you know, Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker type shit. I think I think part of it is, like you said, figuring out where people are actually coming from because people have some super bizarre beliefs about some of these things sometimes and so totally. i remember jordan one time mentioning about like a client who was deathly afraid of gluten for some reason said every time i eat gluten it just wrecks me destroys me he was like here's what i want you to do go in the kitchen have a piece of toast and tell me what happens in an hour and they're like fine you know what i mean so sometimes it's because it, it turns out they were just like downing whole pizzas at a time and feeling bad afterwards like, i've seen that right? yeah so so, you know, it, I think assessing what what these people's beliefs are like, what do you actually expect? Or what's your understanding of what's going to happen to you if you drink half of a can of Coca-Cola? And then you can then you have some targets for intervention there. That's like in essentially every patient context. Uh, one of my favorite questions to ask is, what is your understanding of blank to figure out where they are and where mm -hmm. I, where my starting point is to get to get to work on stuff? Yeah. What is your understanding of complex epidemiological statistics? <laughs> ah, I don't know what well, any of those words mean. <laughs> yeah, so I just don't sugar is bad, dude. Come on. Uh, all right. Hey, Mike, really, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, this is going to be a super useful video, I think, for folks. Um, and where can people find out more about you and what you do? Thank you so much for having me. I thought it was a really awesome discussion. Um, at RP Strength is a Renaissance Periodization Instagram full of all kinds of goodies. RenaissancePeridization.com. And then you can find, uh, we have a book actually that's really relevant to this discussion. It's called Understanding Healthy Eating. It's an ebook available for purchase on our site. It's really cheap. It's like 20 bucks. Um, it really just details all the scientific literature on what is eating healthy and gives some really good recommendations. And it just took, takes all the, like if you're really confused after this, like let's say you came you know, to this little video and you thought, oh, sugar was for sure deadly and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, all these doctors are saying it's not. And you're like, what the hell is actually going on? I think it's a, a very fine book to, to get started on learning. It's written in plain language. Um, about, you know, uh, just how to approach diet and think about it. And then, so that's renaissanceperiodization.com. And then I'm at RP Dr. Mike on Instagram. There's mostly half naked pictures of me uh, flexing and all sorts of uh, unbiblical things. Nice. And then, right. And then, uh, 10 out of Facebook, 10 would follow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Facebook. Uh, Mike is on Facebook. It's a public account. Come follow me, troll me, and it'll be a great time.
Very good. Cool. Austin, any parting shots? No, we good. All right. I got to go train. I got to go train. So let's do this. All right. For Barbell Medicine, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks, man.